BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Good morning, or whenever you are listening to this episode, welcome back to another maternity leave episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. Thank you so much for continuing to support me and consume this content so that I can enjoy some much needed time with my family and newborn. I am so excited about today's episode because today we have on a friend of mine, but someone who I have wanted to have on for so long to really dive into a topic that I feel connected to, but don't really know enough about, especially from an education standpoint to like share data or like actual information on. So today's guest is Sam Previtt. She is freaking awesome. She is an anti-diet dietitian and an intuitive eating counselor. And you may know her from her videos, her handle is Find Food Freedom. She's also the co-host of What the Actual Fork Pod. But the reason I love Sam is because she really dives into like our relationship with food and comes at it from this intuitive eating lens that helps you get to the bottom of like your emotions around food and what's leading you to make these certain decisions and why we have certain behaviors and how we can potentially work in better ways to like better serve ourselves. And I had a lot of questions on the topic because I've never really looked into intuitive eating, but I think subconsciously I kind of practice it. And we talk about how like that's just really the norm of a relationship with food before all of the noise is at its core intuitive eating. Like when you're a child, you're just eating what you want. And also all of the like kind of lashback that the topic gets, especially on social media of like what naysayers believe intuitive eating is and what it could lead to. And I just think this episode is super helpful. I want to say at one point I reference like intuitive eating with children and we talk about dessert and serving it with the meal. And I make a comment like, oh, well, maybe I'll do that and I'll share what happens in the intro. I forgot that we were going to do that, but I will say there are definitely times where it's just naturally happening because I'm not someone that's like, you need to finish your plate before you get dessert. Like if squash asks for ice cream at four o'clock, we're most likely having ice cream. And there are times where if I'm done eating or if I'm eating a cookie or whatever and he's eating, I just kind of put it on his plate and I'm like, there you go. Does that still get eaten first? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. But we dive into all of that and like what that looks like and way more on this topic in this episode. So without further ado, here is the episode with Sammy.
I have so many questions for you and I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm so excited that now we've hung out in person and we'll look before this. This one's definitely more rushed of a hangout. We're squeezing in things. But I'm really curious. You talk a lot about finding food freedom, right? And the idea of intuitive eating. And I think that so many people are confused on what intuitive eating is because it's like, I'm just going to eat whatever I want. So that means I'm going to have donuts for breakfast, ice cream for lunch and cake for dinner. And with that mindset, they're like, well, how will I ever be in a place where I feel confident in my body or feel healthy? I'm not saying like health, be healthy in quotes, because what really is healthy, but feel their best. And I used to be kind of cynical like that. But I also used to put really intense like barriers and restrictions on myself and then oddly enough through postpartum a little bit before but really through pregnancy and postpartum I wouldn't say I I don't identify with any type of label so I don't identify as an intuitive eater but I think I kind of am if I just eat but I almost then came to this realization where I was like wait I feel the best in my body I've ever felt and it confused me so I'm curious for you When someone asks you, like, what is intuitive eating, what do you tell them? So intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework. It is not a diet. So there's no rules. There's no restrictions. It has 10 defined principles over, or I always say 140, but it's well over 200 studies now on it. So it is evidence-based. There's an evidence-based assessment that we use as providers to, to track progress. But it helps people reconnect with their body when diet culture is always just screaming rules and restrictions and numbers, right? Portions, macros, all of these things. It helps quiet that noise and be able to really raise our introspective awareness, listen to our body again, and make decisions that make us feel pleasant in our body physically, mentally, and emotionally. But going back to what you said, I think that is the biggest misconception I see on social media is people think intuitive eating is not dieting. And the amount of comments I get like, I've tried intuitive eating and it doesn't work for me. I've tried intuitive eating and I eat all the things. When we enter that rebellion stage, it's it's called the diet culture rebel. We actually name that in, in practice. That's the stage where we're not dieting anymore. We understand that we have unconditional permission to eat, but our intentions behind eating things are, I'm going to eat this because I can. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, right? I'm going to eat all the things. And being in that rebellion stage is just as much as being a prisoner in diet culture of restriction because you're still trapped by the rebellion of feeling like, well, I have to eat these things. Or not I have to, but I get to eat these things and I eat all of them because we've been restricted for so long. So I often find that people think that intuitive eating is just that stage, Mm -hmm. but really not dieting is like 0.0001% of what intuitive eating is about. And it's funny because I'm a firm believer, or I just, I think many people would agree with this, that the more you restrict, the more you want something. Mm -hmm. And I came to this realization recently more so, it was just an example of, I stopped drinking for, I don't know, a little over a year before I got pregnant and never once did I want alcohol because it was Mm -hmm. my active decision. Yep, I never made it black and white. I was never like, I'm never drinking again. It was just more alcohol does not serve me. I don't want to drink now. Yep. If I went out, I always told myself, you can get a drink if you want it, but I never wanted it. Yes. The second I got pregnant, I'm like, I want a fucking margarita so badly. I saw because, your story about the glass yeah, of wine the other Because it's yeah. not my you decision. Because it. like it, it was stripped from me almost. It's that yes. feeling where I'm like, well, if I can't have it, I want it now. And I feel like that's what diets have done to us where 
you know, sweets, I think is like the main thing or yeah. gluten, carbs, carbs of any kind. Yeah. yeah. Did you dairy. explore your relationship with alcohol after you've kind of healed your relationship with food? Because that's a really natural progression. Yes. But I've always I've explored my relationship with alcohol over the years, mainly yeah. because it started with a concussion. OK, so that was. That was actually right around when I was kind of like finding a better relationship with food. I do think it's a natural progression. However, I also think, and people have asked me my opinion on this, like the idea or label of sober curious Mm -hmm. playing into diet culture where some people have taken it as this way of like, well, I can cut out alcohol now, which is all this added calories. And then yes. I won't be drunk eating and hangover eating and obsessing over that. And yes. I do it's like think, the dry January thing. Right. I do think that it gives you if you lean that way, which I used to another yep. thing to obsess over. hundred percent. Where if I'm out and Joe gets a drink that looks really tasty, I'm like, oh, let me have some. Yeah. Like, let me have a sip. I don't consider I don't I, I don't drink like I would still say that, yes. but I'm not terrified of it I just know it does not serve me it has nothing to do with rules or restrictions or I relate so much to what you're saying I've been in New York for 48 hours and haven't had a drink and I'm like I can't which is rare for New York (laughs) yes I was like laughing last night when I was FaceTiming my husband because I was just like like old Sammy would be like binge drinking and I you know went to these nice restaurants but I'm like just give me water right like I just want something fizzy and citrusy that's Mm -hmm. what I asked for Holy moly, I forgot how thirsty breastfeeding can make you. I obviously remember it being a symptom, but I did not fully like accept how all-consuming this act is and how much you need to remain hydrated. Not only are you incredibly thirsty 24-7, but hydration is key for your milk supply. Thankfully, I have packets upon packets of Element to help replenish my electrolytes on a daily basis. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't, which means a lot of salt with no sugar. This product contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk like coloring, artificial ingredients, and other BS additives. Whether you overdid it this past weekend, you're breastfeeding like me, you're working out a ton, or you're just trying to keep an active lifestyle, replenishing electrolytes is super important. I have been loving my two favorite flavors, the citrus salt and the watermelon salt over ice in my water bottle to keep me hydrated and going. The way I absolutely down these during a breastfeeding session is an unparalleled speed. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free simple pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Cameron. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash Cameron. Plus, Element offers no questions asked refunds. So try it completely risk-free. There is truly nothing to lose. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process. Because balance is key. And the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So when people are in this rebellion phase of intuitive eating, 
what is the process like getting out of that rebellion phase? Because I imagine most people who have had the claws of diet culture in them for so long go through that kind of like fuck it mentality. Yes. How do you get out of that? Yeah. So I think there's like two different ways we can look at this stage. It all comes back to the intention of why we are doing a behavior and to look at it from a completely neutral standpoint, no matter why we're doing it, to just look at and observe. So for some people, we call it like the celebratory binge phase or the honeymoon phase where they're eating all the things, but they're like, finally, I'm allowed to eat these things. And that is normal to want those things. Because when we look at restriction, there's two different types of restriction that occur. There's the physical restriction of, okay, I'm not allowed to have carbs, let's say. Mm -hmm. So you're physically not doing the hand-to-mouth to swallow, eat carbs. But then people come to me like, but Sammy, I'm eating carbs and I still can't stop eating them and just eat them all the time. Well, then I'll ask, do you have mental restriction present? And the mental restriction is the part where it's like, sure, you're chewing, swallowing, eating it. But the dialogue in your head is, I shouldn't be eating this. Mm -hmm. Why am I eating this? I'm such a bad person. I should be eating something healthier. Like, I'm terrible. Why am I eating this? And that mental restriction will fuel that binging. And we know that restriction fuels binging, period. So it's really important to look at what is your intention behind the celebratory binge. If it is you saying, I haven't been allowed to eat a fucking pizza in 20 years and I just want a damn pizza, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And to recognize if you do feel physically unpleasant after you eat an entire pizza or whatever that thing is, you don't need to shame yourself. You don't need to guilt yourself. We look at every eating experience as an experience to just observe and say, what can I learn from this? Would I do different? Would I do anything different next time? Now, that's a little different, that celebratory binge phase than the fuck it mentality that you and I kind of just spoke about because that intention looks different. That's the voice in your head that's like, eat it because you don't know if it's going to be gone the next week or you don't know if you're allowed to eat it again. And you say you're eating all the things, but there's like that fear of restriction. So just really calling it out and naming it. We, one of the principles with intuitive eating is called challenge the food police. And that principle is all about naming the voices that exist in our head. And so one of them is the food police. One is the nutrition informant. So that's kind of that mental restriction where it's like, you should be eating something healthier. So once you name these voices out, like literally writing them down, that next step is where did they come from? Because they're not you, although they feel like us because they're in our head. That's not your voice. Maybe it's maybe you had a really almond mom, right? Diety Mm -hmm. mom who was constantly like hawking your food and, and restricting you. Okay, did your mom say some of those things to you? Maybe like our generations, we grew up reading Seventeen magazine, and and you saw all these diets yep. in there, right? So like everything, was it media. Like, what Jennifer Aniston eats yes. in a week, as if we fucking know what yes. she's really eating. So, and side note, this is like a total side note with that. I had a producer in LA was a client of mine, and she worked with like the most A list celebrities, and she said she's like, of course, like a lot of Hollywood has eating disorders. She was like the only actress I've ever seen eat like a real person was Jennifer Aniston. Really? Yeah, I was like, that's so amazing. But I used to like, I don't know why. I really don't care about pop culture. I don't know anything in today's world. But when I was younger, I would read, what was it? J-pop or no, pop, was it J-pop? Like something 14 to... Yeah, J-14 or something. All the magazines. I'm behind. 17, Cosmo. I, 17 was in Cosmo. And me too. I don't know why 
I mean, I'm sure it was diet culture obsessed. I don't know. I never really was a diet kid, but I was in, obsessed with food. But I remember really caring about what they ate in yes. a week as if mentally, I don't think I was thinking, oh, if I eat that way, I'll look that way. Yeah. But I just really was into it. And I don't even know why those existed. Like, yeah. what do we care? Yes. So those shape how we talk to ourselves, And so to go back to your question full circle, it's naming the voices, recognizing that they are not yours. And just like you were taught these beliefs, because truly they're beliefs. They're not facts. They're not mm -hmm. truth. So once we can call them out, recognize them, then we get to choose as adult human beings that have autonomy. Okay, I don't want to believe this shit anymore. I want to rewrite the narrative on it. I want to redefine what my beliefs are around food, around bodies. And we slowly chip away at doing that. It takes time if you've dieted for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years. And I will say, even if you haven't dieted, because I would maybe qualify myself as someone who dieted for like a few years. Yeah. It was never in, it was after college when it started. Yeah. And it started with the whole me dealing with digestive health issues, trying yeah. to navigate that. It was good intention. And then of it was course. horrible impact. Yeah. Then it turned into the whole 30, then yeah. that kind of stuff. Even as someone who I was never growing up and my mom taking me to Weight Watchers, like none of that yeah. was my past experience. Yeah. But Same. it's still I have a very similar experience so to deeply you. rooted. Yes. And for me, it was being pregnant that really like, I guess not unleashed, but showed, magnified the last clause because I had done so much work. Yeah. And then during my pregnancy, I remember just being so confused when all I could eat was beige foods mm -hmm. during the first trimester. Yes. And subconsciously feeling like I was beating myself up a little bit for that. Yeah. And that was the last step in me really like reckoning with it all and accepting that it's fucking okay to just eat, especially during yep. that period, whatever you can stomach. Whatever you can get down. But how do we navigate the fact that there are foods that are nutritionally dense? Dense. Mm -hmm. And there are things that we should be eating, you know, protein, carbs, fat, yeah. that type of stuff. Like, how do you navigate that with intuitive eating intertwined? Yeah, it's a great question. Because foods, I don't know if intuitive eating says foods are created equal, but like morally okay. created equal. Morally. Okay. And I think that's, again, this is the message that gets lost on social where I'll be like, you know, there's no such thing as a good food or bad food. And people are in my comments like, you fucking idiot. Like I'm like, <laughs> okay, I know that broccoli and donuts don't have the same right. nutrient content, right? So morally- all food is created equal. We okay. should not feel guilt or shame for eating food. We should feel guilt or shame for breaking our moral code. So cheating, lying, stealing, mm -hmm. like those things should bring up guilt inside of us. So one way to recognize like, oh, do I have a funky relationship with food? Do you feel guilt for eating a certain amount of food, a certain type of food? So I totally just lost track of the question. I no, it's fine. How do we navigate the intuitive eating aspect while also accepting yes. that like yes. some foods are more nutrient dense. Yes. So when it comes to that, it's definitely going through the stages of intuitive eating and knowing that you won't be in that celebratory binge phase forever. Although you can expect it because if you have been mentally or physically restricting, you're going to go through a period. Some clients I see it's truly like a few days. Some clients it's a few weeks. Some clients it is a few years of I need to 
truly believe that I have unconditional permission to eat these foods and they're not going to be stripped from me. So as we start to incorporate more fun foods, more play foods, it is a normal experience for intuitive eaters. And we see this in the evidence-based practice to get to a point to say, oh, I don't feel physically pleasant Mm -hmm. when I eat donuts, pizza, cake, cookies all the time. And then again, as my job, I don't tell people what to eat. So I'm like, okay, what do we do with that? Do we have to do anything? Nope, sure don't. And I think that's where people get so confused. They're like, well, just tell me what to eat. But that's where eventually throughout the intuitive eating process, we know through research, you will start to crave more nutrient-dense foods. Not because you have to, not because you should, not because it makes you better, but because your body will lead you to a variety of foods. And we see this with dieting in the opposite Where if you are on a diet, let's say, I don't know, air quotes, clean eating, whatever that means. Let's say you're eating chicken breast, brown rice, and broccoli for 30 days. (laughs) What the fuck do you crave? Donuts, cake, cookies, Mm -hmm. chips, whatever. That's normal because your body wants a variety. So we know that no matter how long someone is in a celebratory binge phase or even that rebel phase, they will come out of that. But it's so normal for that fear when you're coming into intuitive eating to be like, I'm never going to stop eating this food because you only know the binging when the restriction is present and right around the corner. And it's funny you say that because I even equate it to comparing these two things where I will have like hyperfixation meals out of decision fatigue. Wait, same. Where I think it's very common for parents, especially of young yeah. kids, because there's just so much I'm like, going I just on. don't give a shit. Just put anything Literally. inside of me. And that's how it started with postpartum with yes. this real intuitive eating where I was like, I don't fucking care what is in front of me. I just need to eat. Correct. Somebody get something. And that has never been how I have been. Like even my whole adult life, I've been the family member that's like, the question is turned to me, what are we having for dinner? Whether it's in my relationship or when I'm home with my siblings and my parents, it's always, what do you want for dinner? And I was deciding. Now I realize what a brat I was. But And it's honestly taken some reckoning of my family to get used to me not caring because my mom's like, well, no, you usually do this. Yeah, you're the leader here. I don't care. I'm sorry. I don't give a shit. Figure it out. Do not care. (laughs) But for me, I will have these hyperfixation meals where like sometimes if I look back on a week, I'll probably eat. I mean, I hyperfixate. I basically have the same breakfast every morning because it yep. doesn't take a second of brain same thought for me. I just it's make two that the I bowl. rotate. I just yeah, don't want to think. Liam eats the same thing. He requests it every morning. I don't have to think about it. But I can look back on a lunch, for instance, and realize, oh, I basically had the same lunch like every day this week. But if I had come at it from a diet perspective and meal planned that meal to be like, I'm going to make this on Sunday so that I'm restricting my options and I know exactly what I'm eating. You better believe day two, I'd be like, I'm not eating this. This Correct. is disgusting. I don't want to eat the same thing. Correct. Your intentions were completely right. different and I in think those two scenarios. That's what makes such a difference. It is officially fall, which means it is my favorite season. And that is chili season. I freaking love a big batch of chili cooking on the stovetop. Poured into a nice bowl, hot, topped with freshly shredded cheese, sour cream, jalapenos, and of course, my necessity, chopped pickles. If you've never done it, trust me, you will never go back. This season, there will be a pot of chili on our stovetop weekly. And of course, it'll be featured in our Caraway Dutch oven. We switched to Caraway cookware when we moved into our new house this past January, and I will never go back. Caraway's nonstick kitchenware makes cooking a breeze and cleanup easier than ever. 
Plus, their high-quality ceramic coating kitchenware are free of PTFE, lead, and other toxic materials. And they come in the most beautiful colorway options. With our gorgeous blue cabinets in the kitchen, I leaned all the way in and went with the navy set, and I love the way it looks. Gone are the days of putting all of our pots and pans away to make the kitchen look organized and clean. I love the design of these so much that they are displayed on our stovetop 24-7. With cookware, bakeware, storage, and tea kettles to choose from, there is something for everyone. If you want to upgrade your cookware, visit carawayhome.com slash Cameron to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash Cameron or use code Cameron at checkout. Caraway non-toxic cookware made modern. I know you are probably candied out from Halloween, so let me provide you with another option for that afternoon pick-me-up or post-dinner treat that I require after every meal because I'm just someone who simply needs to end their like eating, whether it's lunch or dinner, with something sweet. And of course, I'm talking about Stellar Eats. Stellar Eats are grain-free baking mixes made with eight or less real ingredients like almonds, coconut, and dates. They have options for mixes like carrot cake, which is my absolute favorite, banana bread, which no one can ever turn down, coffee cake, and more that are gluten-free and naturally sweetened with coconut and date sugars. They are truly so delicious and mixes that will not have you missing out on the party if you're unable to tolerate gluten like me. As someone who simply just doesn't have a baking bone in her body and somehow manages to mess up almost everything I try to bake, these mixes make it so easy and I promise it's actually hard to mess them up. You can even put some of your leftover candy to use and like add it into the mixes. Think about how good some crushed up candy could be to throw in with their fudge brownie or chocolate chip cookie mixes, something we will absolutely be doing to add some extra flair this fall. Visit StellarEats.com and use code Cameron at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R-E-A-T-S.com. Use code Cameron for 20% off your first order. Stellar Eats is also available at Whole Foods stores nationwide. The other thing is I do feel like our bodies intuitively are meant to crave things that make us feel good. Pun intended. And like (laughs) ice cream. This is my example. Okay. I eat ice cream every day. It's my Mm -hmm. favorite food. It's how I end most days. Yes. Because I know that I will have ice cream almost every day and it's never a restriction. Yep. I'm a, I am I allow myself to eat as much as I want. Typically, I'm eating like a few bites out of a carton yep. or like maybe I'll put it in a mug some nights. Sometimes I've made it into a milkshake during this pregnancy because that's what I'm craving. But I was McFlurry's my entire it's so pregnancy. Funny. I literally just thought today so that I really want one. Go get one. I Oreo McFlurry like Every day with Sienna. I got to look at where are the closest McDonald's is oh, to our house. So good. I'm craving everything strawberry milkshakes. Like, Interesting. I just want a strawberry milkshake in my hand at all times. Back to that pink theme. I, I, know, I know. I'm I sending know, the girl vibes. Obviously, doesn't matter which, but. <laughs> but I get a lot of messages of like, how do you have ice cream every day? I'm like, I'm not sitting there eating a pint of ice cream every night. I would feel like shit. Like, I know myself. Correct. If I finished a feel full physically pint pleasant. of ice cream, my stomach would kill. I'd have yep. awful gas and yep. I'd probably have diarrhea. Correct. Personally. Because of that, I'm not doing that because I don't want to feel that way. My body knows that. But yep. I'm still allowing myself to eat my favorite food. So yes. there's this like balance that our bodies, I think, figure out on their own if we just 
quiet all the bullshit that we've been sold. Correct. And a big part of intuitive eating, another one of the principles, is coping with our emotions with kindness. And a lot of times that's the principle that gets tied into like stress eating, emotional eating, or binging for emotional purposes. And people are like, okay, well, I just, I want to stop binging. I have to stop binging. You know, it doesn't feel good. And I understand that. Like you just said, it feels very unpleasant when we eat large quantities of certain food. But so with intuitive eating, we don't guilt or shame ourselves when that binge occurs. It's trying to almost like come out of your body from an outsider's perspective, be a neutral observer and say, what's going on here? Right? No guilt or shame, but like, when was the last meal I had? Was I just super fucking hungry? And that's why I ate a carton of ice cream. Am I feeling some type of emotion that I'm just brushing a rug or like picking a rug up, brushing the emotion under the rug and I don't want to feel that. So I'm going to turn to food. And so that's with intuitive eating when binge like, let's say behaviors occur instead of diet culture where it's like, you're bad, stop it. Or like go for a walk, leave the kitchen. Like no fucking shit. Like Mm -hmm. if that was the answer, everyone would do that. So it's getting really curious about what's going on right now. Why am I doing this? What am I feeling? What do I need if food is not serving the purpose or making me feel better? How do you, as an intuitive eater, eater, or how do you encourage your clients? Like, what are the things that they work through when they're sitting down to have a meal? Like, what does it actually tangibly look like? Such a great question. And I wish I could say it's like, here's step one through 10. But it is so different for every single person, depending on what they're struggling with. For some people, I'll just like throw out random examples. So for some people, let's go back to the beginning stages. They need to be able to eat all foods and have unconditional permission to eat. So we might be bringing some of their fear foods into the house that they typically don't buy because they weren't allowed to have it. So that might be something that we're working on is like, Let's bring Oreos into the house mm-hmm. and know that they can exist and see what happens. Some people I work with that they might not have as, ha- have as much morality tied to food, but they're just busy and don't fuel themselves throughout the day. And they'll go like a whole day and be like, holy shit, I forgot to eat. So we might be just setting alarms on our phone with the intention of, hey, eat something. Doesn't matter what, but let's get our frequency of nourishment in. For some people, it might be the binging where they're not hungry. They they can rule out physical hunger. So now we need to say back to what are we feeling? What do we need? Can we build coping skills in addition to food? I want to make that really clear. I think some people think it's like, oh, okay, I'm not allowed to use food as a coping mechanism. No, food is a wonderful, very easily accessible coping mechanism for most if you have food security. During COVID, I can't tell you how many people turned to food for comfort because We were locked inside. Mm -hmm. If you had food and you just needed something to distract you, that became one. Now, where we want to look at that is we don't want food to be our only coping mechanism, right? So if we need to find other ways to deal with emotions, find support, et cetera. But I would be lying if I said like turning to Ben and Jerry sometimes when I'm sad, like that's a wonderful coping mechanism. They're great. Right? (laughs) So it's building in addition to that. For some people, as they go further along in their intuitive eating journey, these are more like advanced intuitive eaters, Mm -hmm. I would say. We're working on healing their relationship with movement. So finding joy in movement, movement that feels good for their body, making sure that their intention is not punishment, calorie burn, shrinking the body, but 
doing something because it feels pleasant physically, mentally, and emotionally. And then for some, as we get to the end of intuitive eating, it's gentle nutrition. So back to what we talked about earlier, how do we increase nutrient density? Maybe just because we want to, maybe we have a medical disease or condition like diabetes or high cholesterol or something that we know that we can use nutrition education and nutrition science as a tool to help us. So those are things we're working on. And then other examples we used earlier in the episode as well as naming the voices, rewriting our self-talk and really becoming our own best friend again and and learning to build self-respect and compassion. I, I totally left out the body image piece too. That's a whole nother no, go for it. avenue. I was going to say another piece would be respect your body is one of the principles. So mm-hmm. that is healing our relationship with our body and back to becoming your own best friend, just rewriting that self-narrative, speaking to yourself the way you would a friend. And for some, it maybe never gets to a place of respect, but can we get to a place of acceptance or neutrality? And if there's anything I can recommend for people listening, especially for my younger listeners, is to navigate this all before you go through pregnancy. Oh my God, yes. I I Uh say that on every interview. People are like, how is your pregnancy? I'm like, thank God for this. Thank God. And look, I'm struggling actually this pregnancy around with body image stuff right now. Like, It's just totally common. And that doesn't mean you're failing or moving backwards. And I I personally, the reason I say struggle is because I hate disliking my body. Yeah, I I don't like the way that makes me feel about myself. And you might feel guilt or shame for not. I do. For thinking certain things. I totally do. it's like a spiral. So it's something I'm working through. But thank God I say this all the time. I did the work I did before with my first pregnancy and with this one because I can only imagine where I'd be had I not. Speaking of pregnancy, kids and all that. Yeah. I and my husband, we want to make a very conscious effort for food to be something that's just there in our child's life, but nothing really more. But I do find it's a little confusing to navigate with kids because if I put a meal that's nutrient dense or just any type of meal in front of my child and an ice cream cone, he's two years old. He's going to choose ice cream cone. Like without fail, that's, I know that result is going to happen. He actually is a bit interesting where every time he gets a cookie or a brownie or something, not ice cream, but anything else, he will hold it in his hand for like an hour. And I'll be like, can you eat it? Cause we need to move. We need to get in the bath, buddy. Like, do you want it? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, can you eat it then? And then he's like, not yet. And I'm like, Okay, well, we are now past that like, time. like, once my hunger cue hits, mom, yeah. then I'll I'm like, it. dude, we got to get in the bath. So then I find myself where I'm like, Liam, eat it. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm forcing him to eat this thing. But how do you navigate this as a parent yourself and yeah. with clients around young kids and making sure that you're not creating rules? You know, we're very conscious. We're not labeling foods. Yep. He does have sweets. He has things like yeah. he's allowed to have whatever the hell he wants. But at the same time, I'm not going to allow him to have an ice cream cone for dinner because he needs nutrients. And as a parent, I do feel that that is my job to provide him with. Correct. As the person who's old and understands and not two years old. Yes. The first thing I always tell parents, which you've already, you can check this box, work on your own relationship with food and body first. Like that, if you have not done that yet, we got to start there because the way we talk to ourselves, the way we talk about bodies, the way we talk about food, the comments we make, that has the biggest impact on our child's relationship Agreed. with food and body. So that is like no non-negotiable there. From there, 
structure is really important with kids because they, and you know this with mm-hmm. nap times, with oh, bedtime. We like, are scheduled. Yeah, yeah, that's like the millennial parenting routine, I feel like. So structure with mealtime too, kids, a way that they feel safety is knowing like meals and snacks are available. And I know mm-hmm. like if you eat lunch the same time every day with Liam, like he knows mealtime's coming. And that's like a a safety thing for him. That's a need being met. So structure in that sense is really great for them of the frequency that you're offering meals and snacks because there's no scarcity there. There's no scarcity mindset of if they're going to be fed and their hunger cues are being answered. So that's a wonderful like next step from there. I do agree with you that as you offer ice cream or brownie or cake or cookie along with meals that they might choose that first but I want to encourage you and we can check back on this in a future episode mm-hmm. to always offer dessert with the meal. Okay. Will he choose the ice cream first? Sure will. And he'll do it for a while, but you will be beside yourself the day that your son will actually choose a blueberry or a piece of broccoli. Well, he actually did it last night. It's funny you say there this. You we were at our Memorial Day barbecue at our pool and we weren't eating dinner. We were all going to eat dinner together because we like to eat our meals with him. And yeah. it was early, but we were there and all the food was out because it was like a barbecue spread. Yeah. So at like four, I went up to get watermelon. And the way I don't like that I did this, but he would not leave the kiddie pool. So I said, can we go stand our chairs? I will go get a cookie. And he said, Which, that's great. And he's like, like you're sold. not trying to like, like, you can never have a cookie so until this moment. I go to the table and I, I wanted the watermelon. So I get like four pieces of watermelon and a cookie for him. And I come back and he looks at it and I said, do you want the watermelon or a cookie? And he goes, watermelon. And I was like, what the fuck? I was Look like, your okay. little intuitive eater. I mean, he literally, the kid was trying to eat the rind of the watermelon. He pounded all four of my slices and was eating the green rind. Then he did want the cookie. But of course. I've tried, I tried to serve it together because I saw that on TikTok. Like, yeah, maybe it was you a long time ago. Obviously, he's like fisting the brownie, not yes. eating anything else. And this was when we first started solid. So I think that maybe it wasn't the most ideal time for me, but or not when we first because he was probably a year. But I'm going to try again. Yeah. I will report back, report back and, and navigate it this way. And it's, it takes time. Right. And I know, like, as a parent, we're like, okay, which one do they choose? You know, like, yes. but just, just keep offering it and like you you and your husband like have that at the table for your meals as well they see food as neutral because again all our beliefs are taught back to what we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. so liam doesn't know that in diet culture a cookie is bad and watermelon is good he has no idea that was a belief that was taught yeah so Another just resource I want to mention, and this could be another great guest I'll pitch for you, is Dr. Taylor Arnold. You might follow her if you don't already. I don't, but I'll look her up. Her account is Growing Intuitive Eaters or Growing.Intuitive.Eaters. She is an amazing, amazing colleague of mine where her entire platform is dedicated to parents teaching kids to grow intuitive eaters. So I always plug her because, yes, I teach intuitive eating, but I'm more with the parents. Mm -hmm. But, of course, there's so many parallels. Yeah, and I mean, that that is one thing I've made a very conscious decision of, of, like, he will know whatever he wants. Like, it's accessible. We go for afternoon ice cream all the time because that's my favorite time to have ice cream is, like, that 3.30 window. So in his head, it's not this, like, end of night. Personally, I do like something sweet as the last thing in my mouth. And that's fine, too. That's why you enjoy it. Yeah. All right. I will do that. I will report back. Love it. I will 
you know what? I'll report back in the intro of this episode, maybe, or like in a video later. Yes. And it may take years, too. So right. <laughs> don't, don't worry. It doesn't need work. to be next week. <laughs> For everyone who's listening and wants more of you, yeah. where is the best place they can support you? Yes. They can find us on Instagram at find.food.freedom, TikTok, find food freedom. And then we love giving free resources and all of the things. Then go to findfoodfreedomresources.com for okay. some free trainings and whatnot. And then two podcasts. I have the Find Food Freedom podcast, which is just myself giving intuitive eating tips and tricks. And then I have a co-host, which you've been on our, yes. our previous episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. I co-host with Jenna Warner, where we just debunk all diet culture and all those things. You are doing the most. And yeah. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on here. Thanks, Cam. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.